Welcome to the Keep It Quirky podcast. I'm your host, Katie Quinn, and this is the pod where I talk with fellow creatives and entrepreneurs about food, travel, and the discipline and drive to create. Passion begets passion, so come on with me and let's do this. So I just returned to London after a whirlwind trip to Dublin, Ireland, where I moderated a panel at the Smart Kitchen Summit. It's a conference that looks at the future of the connected kitchen. So basically, the Venn diagram of food and technology. The panel I moderated was all about re-envisioning the future of the recipe. It was called personalized, shoppable, and guided, recipes are not dead. Quite the title, right? Before the panel began, I whipped out my microphone and snagged one of the people on the panel who I would moderate, Kishan Vasani, co-founder and CEO of DishQ. Everything's on the record, I don't know. It's an artificial intelligence company that leverages food science, rich data, and machine learning to predict a person's taste. So I'm with Kishan of DishQ. We're really soon going to go up and do this panel about recipes. Uh huh. The cool thing about the diversity of the panelists was that each person was coming at this topic from a totally different place. For me, personalization is the uh, the biggest one, of course. But like, I find it interesting how personalization these days is often talked about with nutrition and hand in hand, and rightly so. But from a contrarian perspective, I'd like to say, well, hang on a minute, let's put that on hold and say that without it tasting great, nobody's going to change their habits, right? So let's put the focus on taste before we think about nutrition, or at least as a minimum, hand in hand. So the yeah. future. Of the recipe. It was a fascinating discussion, and I'm going to get the audio from that panel, and I'll post it right here as a future episode on the Keep It Quirky podcast. But remember that right now, we are in the midst of our author series, and this week's guest is Izzy Hosak. Now, I must have had my upcoming panel discussion at the Smart Kitchen Summit on my mind, because Izzy and I do talk a bit about how the recipe is changing. I mean, Izzy's got some thoughts on it. She is a twice-published cookbook author, and she's published recipes on her blog, with cinnamon for many years. And she posts recipes on her hugely popular Instagram account at Izzy Hosack. Her first cookbook was called Top with Cinnamon, same title as her blog, published in 2014. And her more recent cookbook out in 2017 is called The Savvy Cook. On the cover of that cookbook, Izzy is quoted as saying, my aim is maximum flavor for minimum effort without breaking the bank. That sums up Izzy's cooking style pretty well. Also on the cover of her book is a quote from The Times, a UK publication, calling her the new Nigella. That is quite the statement. It's like calling someone the new Julia Child, kind of. Anyway, in this conversation, we talk about what it's like to be called something so colossal. We also talk about where she gets inspiration for her recipes, how she creates community, and much, much more. Izzy first hit the UK food scene with her blog when she was just 15 years old. Now, just about to graduate from university with a food science and nutrition degree, she's poised to take over the food media scene. Though one could argue she's already been doing that for years. Without further delay, meet Izzy Hosek. Hi, Izzy. Hi. I just made a, a little dish for lunch for us from Izzy's cookbook, The Savvy Cook. The recipe itself is changing. It's not just your cookbooks now. It yeah. is your blog mm-hmm. and on your Instagram. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Recipes everywhere. <laughs> 
Uh, recipes <laughs> recipes are basically falling from the sky. Yeah, <laughs> they are literally everywhere. <laughs> what do you think of like the future of the recipe? What is that going to look like? I think mostly it will be online stuff. I think lots of the time now people look to Instagram for stuff too. Like I've noticed people putting recipes in captions because getting people to actually click through to a website is getting more and more difficult. Right. I mean, saying like in brackets, link in bio, yeah. it takes a lot to get people there. Yeah, definitely. I think they have to really, really want it. Whereas otherwise, if it's straight there in the Instagram caption, they're way more likely to make it. Like I did these Nutella cookies um, a few weeks ago and I put the recipe in the caption because I was literally like, it was from Food52. I'd changed it slightly. And so I was like, it's not, it's not like an original recipe or anything. So there's not like a whole blog post about this. So I just put it in the caption and like, on Instagram, you can see stats on like people who have saved your recipe. And so that was way higher than usual. And then also I got like four or five people in the next few days, like making the recipe, which is like just ridiculous. Cause usually it's like a few people that might DM me or tag me in it over like the next few weeks or whatever, but not that quickly. Yeah. It's like ease of accessibility. But yeah, what's what's cool is that you also have are paying attention to those analytics yeah. and cuz I love creating content and the analytics aspect is something that I definitely feel like I need to be better at. Yeah, it's uh, such a confusing world and I'm not that hot on it either. Yeah, really. Like I kind of like I used to look at my blog stats so much, but now that I'm more of like a social media person rather than a blogger, I'd say it's more like diverse than that, that I don't really look at my stats anymore. So I don't like analyze like what's doing well and what's like getting loads of views this month or anything. I just kind of like leave it. <laughs> so I kind of just you know, like burying my head in the sand kind of thing where I'm just like, I don't really want to know. I <laughs> can, know what I mean? <laughs> to- I can totally relate to that. And there is so much information. Well, what's really interesting is that you just referred to yourself as more of a social media person now and not as much a blogger. And that's mm-hmm. definitely an evolution, right? Because yeah. your blog top with cinnamon, it's kind of like what got you in the scene. Yeah, definitely. So when did that happen that you have kind of shifted out of being blogger i think probably since going to uni it's not so much like the uni that has like changed me i'd say it's just more that the evolution of like the internet has happened (laughs) yeah and i don't look at websites as much as i used to like i used to read blogs like crazy i used to subscribe to stuff on like email and i had blog loving and you know all that kind of stuff yeah like google feed burner back in the day I remember that. <laughs> and then, yeah, I just kind of stopped because I think Instagram used to be really like a niche thing, like bloggers would have it. And then that was pretty much it. So like it was just kind of like a blogging community, really. And now yeah. everyone is on it. And so, you know, that's where you get most of your information, like on social media, just from following people, because you can get so much more information in such a short amount of time. Whereas with a blog, you're committing to reading a piece of information. So I think that my readership is in like people who follow me and also what I do personally has changed a lot. So instead of it being on blogs, it's more social media because it's the short form content that I'm more interested in. Right. And it makes sense not only for the consumers who want it just there, they don't want to like go to www.whatever, <laughs> um, but also for the creator. I mean, do you feel mm. like it's 
less hassle sometimes to do the Instagram post than it would be a full blog post? Or would you say, no, actually, I spend just as much time on the Instagram post? Well, I think I used to spend a lot less time on Instagram posts. But after the algorithm change happened, I noticed that if I posted, so I used to only post iPhone photos. So that would literally be like the easiest thing to take super quick and, you know, just literally post it as is Instagram, like it's the point Insta, of it, you know? Exactly. Whereas after the algorithm changed, I was noticing that I've always had like the step back from what was the current iPhone as well. So my image quality was always like slightly lower than what the newest screen would be. So if you're taking a photo on like a lower res camera, like lower um, version iPhone, and then you're viewing that on like a latest iPhone, then it's going to look even worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had a DSLR, so I've been using that for my blog. And so I just started posting everything was like all DSLR photos. And so it just takes, yeah, it takes even more time. I finally, like, <laughs> finally got an iPhone. I've got like the 8 Plus now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. I don't know what I'm, I'm like. I literally had the 5 SE before, so it was like the tiniest. The tiniest. <laughs> and now I'm like, this is an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that it's hard to get used to? Or are you like, oh, wait, this is amazing? It, well, luckily, I've got one of those pop socket things at the back of the phone. So it's easier to hold. But still, I'm like, when I'm walking around I'm like this is going to be so easy to mug me <laughs> like you know all the moped stuff that's happening at the moment with people yeah. like driving along like stealing people's phones like before I feel like I could grip onto my phone because it was so small <laughs> whereas now I'm like literally like my my grip on this is so loose does anyone anyone want an iPhone <laughs> yeah anyone walking by I feel like I need a decoy so that I can be like because I still got the old one so I'm like should I just carry that instead <laughs> <laughs> hilarious <laughs> if I don't get mugged I don't know. <laughs> so you're saying that Instagram at first was a thing that bloggers do and you Mm -hmm. were a blogger so Mm -hmm. you were on it kind of at the beginning yeah and do you think that the timing of that like kind of being one of the first group of adapters to this this new platform has has helped definitely I think timing kind of is everything when it comes to technology stuff I think that if I was starting a food blog now like yeah you can definitely become successful I started my blog seven years ago and back then it was like there was nothing in the UK really in terms of food blogs so I think I got on the bandwagon at the right time yeah well also I think you were probably smart enough that you saw the void so you filled it yeah exactly do you mind if I ask how old you were when you started the blog (laughs) I was 15 yeah (laughs) what I mean that is incredible like that you then like did something about it I think I was basically just bored yeah like you know when you'd have like the summer times in your youth and then like I'd be like sitting around the house and be asking my mom like what should I do and she'd be like why don't you like make something or like (laughs) so sometimes it'd be like why don't you bake this thing or like do some art or whatever so we're like a very creative family so it usually be like crafting things so I used to be really into making like miniature food out of the stuff called like Fimo dough (laughs) wait like you mean like like Japanese style like teeny and I would make it into jewelry so I had like donut studs like I rediscovered my waffle earrings the other day what (laughs) like Leslie Nope style what I mean is it you could still be selling this stuff I know I Started an Etsy page or something. <laughs> but so like I was just basically a bored teenager. Yeah. Um and it was my summer of GCSE. I think I'd just finished my GCSEs or something or was in the middle of them. So I had a really long summer. And you know, your friends aren't always around, especially during the summer holidays. So there's not always something to do. And when you're 15 years old, you're like, well, I don't really have like any money to go out and like you know, go out with my friends and do stuff. Right. So I just had been baking 
with my mum for like a few years and been reading food blogs. So I was just like, I'll just start one because I just wanted a way to document my own recipes, really, because I'm, I'm really lazy. <laughs> and I always have that thing where like I'd be downstairs in the kitchen and I'd have my recipe book, like where I'd like written down all my recipe things or like what I'd done. And that would always be like upstairs or in another room or and I would just be like, oh, I can't bother to go get it. So I was like, if I have it on the Internet, <laughs> all I have to do is go on my phone and Google it yeah, and then well, I can get And the beautiful thing about that is that it is such a human thing that you weren't the only one that a whole lot of other people wanted to be able to do that too. Part of the genius is like finding a way to like make the laziness work for you. Yeah, definitely. Find the shortcuts. Find the shortcuts. (laughs) But going back to what we're talking about, about how technology is changing so much and now Mm -hmm. you're putting recipes on Instagram. How do you think that that is going to change like are you going to come out with another cookbook do you think basically at the moment I'm still in like the recovery period from my last cookbook so like I've done two the first time after that I was like I'm not doing a cookbook ever again and then like two years later what happens Oh, Izzy decides she wants to do another one. Wait, what did, what did happen in those two years that you decided I just, to do a second one? I just forgot about the trauma. <laughs> Wait, it's kind of like you hear moms when they talk about having yeah, a kid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly like that. So at the moment, I'm still just like in the no phase where yeah. I'd rather put my yeah. energy into creating online content and like just having lots of different things that I can do whereas when you're doing a book it just kind of takes over your life like you can still I still was doing like blogging stuff and was at uni and stuff it was like not taking up all my time but I'd rather work on my career at the moment rather than like put the effort into doing another book because for me it's not what I see myself doing in the future like I want to do food photography and food styling and stuff so I'd rather like put my time and effort into getting the experience to do that rather than making another book how are your friends at uni in their career evolution because I would say to me anyway it strikes me that you are ahead of the curve the fact that you are even still in university talking about how you want to direct your career that is already happening Mm. I mean that you have published two cookbooks and that you are getting projects and actively working on work I mean we were just talking about you're doing projects with OXO and Vitamix what do your peers at uni think of that or say to you I think they're quite impressed by it yeah but I'm just I would be too <laughs> I mean I already am but I'm not in uni but I'm just like well you know it's what I've been doing it for so long now it's just kind of what my life is so when you're when you're in it you don't really realize what it's like to be on like the other side of things so just, to me it's like this is just what my life is like and also everyone's like oh you've already got your career sorted but being like a freelancer and being self-employed especially at this age and because so many people change their careers like later on in life is terrifying because I'm like well I'm seven years deep into a (laughs) into a profession and uh like what if I want to change my life in like a few years time like I was saying I used to make the miniature food stuff like I don't do that anymore but for you know like two or three years of my life that's what 
I was obsessed with and that's what I did also I love that you did that like I'm kind of obsessed with that thought now also just really quick I wanted to say that you mentioned that you come from a really artistic family and Mm -hmm. I just want to shout out to your mom who makes incredible pottery I follow her on Instagram Casey Hossack Casey underscore Hossack yeah what are some of the other arts things that the rest of your family's into so my dad is an architect my mom she went to Pratt Art School in like New York um, and she did photography and ceramics there so she got back into the pottery because I said I was like mom didn't you used to like make pottery stuff can you make me some props and so she started um doing adult education classes because there's a secondary school behind our house and so she was going there wait that's why she got into pottery again recently no way (laughs) I just assumed that her pottery came before your blog well it kind of did but then i just from me demanding (laughs) you reignited the passion yeah exactly so speaking of the word passion Mm. what do you think of that word because it's like okay a lot of people say like food is my passion Uh so is food still your passion it's because it's also your career yeah i think well it's difficult isn't it because you can't like people are always like oh don't turn your hobby into your job because you'll hate it but i think that as long as you're doing other things, then, you know, you'll probably be okay because you have to have other outlets for things. I'm not just cooking. I'm like doing photography. I'm doing social media, you know, like I'm going out and meeting people and just like, you know, creating community and stuff. It's not just like I'm standing in a kitchen and cooking. So I think, yeah, you can, you can maintain the passion, but I think you can't just have one aspect to it right diversify it yeah up definitely. A little bit. it's interesting that you say that creating community like you you, you mentioned it as something that you are actively doing that mm. is a, which is true yeah but i love because that's not a typical professional job description no, isn't is it <laughs> but it is what you're doing and so yeah. do you have any tips for people on how to build community i think well through social media i think it's just become so much easier but i remember you know, back in the day when it was just the blogging stuff and there wasn't the social media, you would like go onto people's blogs and comment on their blog posts and they'd comment back and you'd kind of get like inside jokes or references and you'd basically become friends with them. And then from social media, it's even easier because you can get more personal with people because you'll see their everyday life, especially with like Instagram stories, even just like sending someone a DM on Instagram or commenting on their post, like with an actual genuine comment, not just like, this looks great. Wow. Mm-hmm. Or like heart emoji, like a genuine comment yeah. and just like reaching out to people. I think that's just the way to go because that's how I've met so many people just like sending a DM to someone or them DMing me and just going for coffee. Like with you and me. I was, I was, <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah. Although what is funny is that we realized what a small world it is. Yeah. After the fact, like after we agreed to meet up, you were the one who remembered. I realized. <laughs> yeah. Like, Wait a second. <laughs> no, I was literally, it was when I, I think I'd been on Instagram for like a year or two years or something. And then, and you were at Now This, weren't you? Yeah. And yeah. you were at Food 52. It wasn't when I was at Food 52 no. though. No, it was, oh. I was still in the UK when I was doing it. So this, some... I'm even forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> That's how long ago it was. <laughs> I mean, really. Okay. So then when did your Food 52? experience come into play because then you you lived in New York for a summer it was well it was just five weeks it wasn't it wasn't super long that was during my gap year so between sixth form and university lots of people in the UK will take like a year out so some people will go straight through but then lots of people like will go traveling for a year but for me it was just kind of like I was very burnt out I just 
done my first cookbook. I just done my A levels. I done chemistry, biology, and maths as my A twos. So I was just like dead yeah. after that. Yeah. So I just really I did not want to go back straight into education. So I just took a year out and was like, I'll I at least I can do stuff because. I have my blog. So at least I had something to do. It wasn't just like, oh, just take a year out and like work in Sainsbury's, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, because otherwise I would have just gone straight to uni. Otherwise. Right. But yeah, it was a good experience. Yeah. So at that point, did you know that you wanted to study nutrition and food science? Is that what it is? Yeah. Nut- nutrition and food science? Yeah. What I did, it was like a weird way around. So I applied for food science and nutrition and I thought I was going to go straight to uni. And then... I got accepted onto the course and then I was like, actually, I do want to take a gap year. So I just sent an email and said, can I defer for a year? And they said, yeah. So I had the place. So there was no pressure or anything. It just meant you can go have your year off and then start uni and it's all good. You can come to uni in September. (laughs) So we've talked a little bit about this before and it Mm. can be, I guess it's like kind of intuitive how what you're studying plays a role in the career that you have built thus far but how it's it's really complimentary right Mm because it's also very different yeah so you just finished this year of school congratulations Mm -hmm. thank you (laughs) what would you say and you might not have enough perspective on it just yet but what Mm -hmm. are some of the things that you feel like are really tangible takeaways from what you're studying when I was applying for university I've always been really interested in science stuff and especially like biological science so I wanted to apply for biomed but then when I was going and looking at the unis and like going to the talks and hearing about them I realized like the main thing I was interested was nutrition so I just was like well I'm paying you know nine grand a year to do this so I might as well go for something I'm really interested in absolutely so I just went for straight nutrition but I did the combined course of nutrition and food science because I was interested in nutrition before I started it that that's you know like what made me do it from studying nutrition I assumed like oh after this I'm like not going to be able to make cakes and like cookies (laughs) and stuff anymore because like no one's going to respect a nutritionist that's like making that kind of stuff but from doing my course and also from meeting other nutritionists who are kind of in the non-diet movement at the moment Mm. I've realized that it's less about the minutiae and it's just more about like enjoying food Mm. overall and like let the scientists worry about the like specifics don't worry about that kind of stuff yourself just like the main points is enjoy your food eat more vegetables (laughs) and then you know like the rest will be fine that's yeah that that's an amazing takeaway yeah do you feel like it has affected how you cook though even though it doesn't mean oh i can't use full fat cream in this recipe or something has it affected what you cook and how you cook i think that i'm more relaxed with it i think i used to be way more into health stuff wow that's so counterintuitive it is isn't it you'd think it'd be the other way around but but how incredible this is great news it is isn't it (laughs) yeah but i think it's just because of like gaining the knowledge about it it just means that you understand that it's not it's literally not about like this contains vitamin a and so i'm going to eat it it's more about like how your food interacts with you with each other and like the social aspects of eating and diet overall rather than just like tiny aspects of it and how controlling your food like that can actually lead to like mental health kind of decrease you know like declining so look at your health overall rather than just thinking about like oh I want to be skinny you know what I mean yeah like the bigger picture stuff yeah exactly so I think it's given it's made me way more relaxed around food definitely but when I think about how 
you know so much about food and cooking and flavors. Has it really just all grown from a place of curiosity and let me try this or try that? Or did you do anything more regimented to give you such a well-rounded knowledge of food? No, literally it's just from, from doing it, I think because I've been so into cooking and baking and my family just like always cooks together and we always have home cooked meals. You know, that's what I've had growing up. So my mum is Italian American. My dad is English. So I've had like, I guess that's just basically like the European like standard kind of cooking. He cooks like quite a lot of French, Englishy kind of stuff. And then my mum would do the baking, like the American style baking and then like pasta and, you know, like Italian style vegetable dishes and that kind of stuff growing up. So very comfortable with that style of cooking. But my mum, when she was living in New York for like 20 years or whatever, when she was a teenager at uni, she was living with her best friend. She's still best friends with her now. Um, and it's actually who I stayed with when I was living in New York. That's but awesome. She's Korean. So she taught my mum how to cook Korean food. And oh my like, God, I love Korean food so, so much. Good. Yeah. From my mum cooking that way it's kind of taught me as well and then just from reading cookbooks and I guess nowadays people are way more into cooking from other cuisines like in the UK we've had this kind of explosion of different food from places like you know Ottolenghi's brought the Middle Eastern stuff and we've got like Sabrina Gale doing the Persian food and yeah it's just been crazy because now you can actually access those ingredients yeah and those recipes too talking about again how technology is playing a role in how we cook if you can't find an ingredient in your local grocery store just go online and you can probably order it yeah or you could even look up like what could i use instead of this ingredient and find an alternative yeah what would you say your relationship is with social media (laughs) complicated yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay great so you are human yeah (laughs) definitely that is something that i think is really important to acknowledge that whether it's a part of your career like it is with Mm. both of us or or not i think that it's really easy to kind of feel like controlled by social media or something so will you just explain how is it complicated why (laughs) well i think before when it was literally like a very small group of people on it well not very small but you know like it was more of a community aspect and it was more like niche so it would be people that are really into cooking that have food blogs and you know you'd all talk to each other and comment on each other's photos and it was very supportive whereas now everyone is on it and so you can get trolled by anyone at any time for anything that you do or say it can just be a bit of a anxiety inducing slash stressful place to be yeah and because especially when you depend on this kind of stuff for income if you're working with a brand and then they want to see all the stats afterwards of what you know your sponsor post has done in terms of like reach and engagement and all this stuff if it hasn't done as well as it you would have expected it to especially with algorithm changes and stuff now you just realize like everything is just at the whim of these huge companies that own these platforms it can just be a bit like intimidating and uh, yeah stressful because you want your post to do as well as possible because then you want the brand to work with you again or have a positive experience with it do you do anything when you feel like really caught up in social media anxiety like it's crazy how much anxiety Mm. can emanate from this like little thing you're holding in your 
hands. Mm. Although you just you just got you just upgraded, so it's yeah. not so little. <laughs> Huge, <laughs> this massive thing in your hands. No, but but yeah. I mean, do you do you have any like go to ways to kind of like snap out of the social media anxiety? So sometimes I'll literally just like delete the app off my phone. Really? So that, yeah. So I just can't go on it. Wow. Or I move Instagram to the final page of my phone yeah. so that I can't like just go on and literally click on it Dude, automatically. That is so smart. Why yeah. haven't I? Or like put it in a folder or something yeah. well, so you don't just see it and yes. go, oh. And I've also found that if I'm using social media to literally just go on, scroll through mindlessly and like like things, then I feel way more like anxious and disconnected. It's the comparison thing where you're like, oh, this person's having a great time, blah, blah, blah. But if you, I'm using it more for social reasons, it's social media for a reason, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Then, and like commenting on people's posts genuinely or having a conversation in DMs or doing an Instagram story or talking to someone in some way, I find it way more of a happy place to be. So I try and do that if I'm feeling a bit like about Instagram. If you don't mind, I hope this isn't awkward, but how many followers do you have now? I've got 220,000. 220,000. Okay, so the reason I bring this up is to say your stuff is amazing and everyone (laughs) listening, go follow Izzy if you're not yet. At Izzy Izzy Hosek. Yeah. That is I-Z-Y-H-O-S-S-A-C-K. But the reason that I bring this up is because I think it's easy for people to look at someone like your profile this is just to like bring us all down to reality Uh (laughs) that like a really successful rock star account and person behind the account yeah we all go through the same thing yeah definitely i think it's important to remember and also i think that lots of people don't realize like even if you have that many followers like i still see comments like if people comment on my photo like i i still see it and i can still like reply to you and stuff so you know it's not like i'm just some random robot yeah, or something like, like I'm, into- I am a person so you can ask me a question you can comment like I will reply to you in a genuine way like you can dm me a question like I get questions about my like cookbook or about like a recipe I've done or something or someone might even ask me like I'm making this recipe from some website do you think I can substitute this with this and I can give you my kind of recommendations or anything like that because I'm a person yeah. and I, can, <laughs> I can give you con- yeah comments not robots <laughs> Not a robot. I'm not some company, you know, he's just going to give you some impersonal reply. Would you, would you write an, a book that's not a cookbook? Do you, because you are a writer, obviously that's a, that's a pretty big part of what you do actually. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but okay. But so you don't, you, so you don't necessarily consider yourself a writer? Not really. I guess like the writing part of it has always just been like on my blog, I'm just very, like, I just write how I would talk. I'm never, I'm not like writing beautiful, like pieces of prose and like a massive thing about like oh how this tart is beautiful and wonderful and like using all this like language like nigella does and you're just like how are you describing food in this way it's amazing yeah. <laughs> like i'm literally just like this tastes great <laughs> make it <laughs> but that's why people i don't know i think it's it makes it really accessible and i do just want to throw in that um you have been called the new nigella <laughs> yes i have so when i mean how does that make you feel i mean that's epic that i mean because nigella is obviously epic the queen she's the queen <laughs> she's the queen how did you feel when you were called that well it's weird isn't it because it's like it's a compliment definitely you know it's something that my publishers put on the cover of my book because it's one of those things that they're like oh new yeah. nigella wow <laughs> yeah. yeah um but it's just one of those things where you're like i'm literally 
It's literally because I'm a woman and because I cook and I just hate how the media reduces people down to literally like two aspects of themselves. Like and a soundbite. Yeah, um, it's like I'm I'm literally nothing like Dojella. Yeah. I don't look like her. I don't make recipes like her. Like I also do photography and food styling and like social media stuff and I do nutrition and food science and I have so many other aspects to me. And also like just let Nigella be Nigella like Let, there doesn't yeah. need to be a new one of her yeah. she's still there yeah. so like she's gone right <laughs> who were some of the people that you really looked up to well I think growing up basically it's been my mum that's inspired me for cooking stuff really like I wasn't I wasn't really ever into watching cooking shows or anything that much like I was aware of Jamie Oliver and Nigella and stuff but it was never like wow I want to be them but I think once I started reading food blogs like I think the first one was probably Smitten Kitchen because that's like the OG food blog Deb Perlman. yeah so good yeah joy the baker yes so you know and like now i i have a community of people that i know from blogging back in the day and stuff and lots of them are like american food bloggers and i think just being inspired by them really was the main thing for me do you have any mentors that you're or people that you would call mentors so i mean they don't even necessarily have to know that you exist <laughs> or they can but just yeah. people yeah who you would consider a mentor well um one of the people is someone we were just talking about earlier is laura thomas yeah so the nutritionist that um i met her through social media so i finally found like a nutritionist who was cutting down the myths and stuff because it's really difficult to find that kind of stuff maybe nowadays more so but this was like two or three years ago um so i found her through instagram and just like i literally just commented so again it's that thing where you know I, I just put a comment on her post being like I read your article and I think it's really good and I'm a nutrition student and it's great to see this kind of thing and then after that she sent me an email and it was when she was starting her podcast where she talks to people about podcast, their careers yeah it's called don't salt my game yeah and it's great it is and then she was like do you want to come on my podcast basically and so just from meeting her through social media really and now we're really good friends and hang out all the time and she's just an inspiration to me really because she's kind of shown me how through doing like science stuff and understanding it and you can communicate that to the general public and show them how diet culture is just bullshit yes <laughs> yes and we need more people saying it like yeah. it is yeah definitely well, because there's so much money to be made off of diet mm, culture mm. don't you think that's why it, the myth hasn't already been debunked a hundred percent and it's like the biggest myth there is because diets fail i think it's like 95 percent of the time so like of course people can still make money off of it because there's just like as everyone always says if there was a magic pill that would make you lose weight then it would already exist and people would be making millions of pounds off of it so you know it's that's what diet culture is it's just the a magic pill that people think that they can use to look a certain way and we just have to be more comfortable with like having different body types and looking different ways and being okay with that and saying you know what people can be healthy and look you know what people don't think of as the ideal body type you know I think we're going in the right direction definitely it's getting there I think so too. And that's a really good attitude to have. <laughs> Optimism. Yeah. Optimism. Definitely. We've kind of talked about the variety of things you do. There's a, been a big movement of burnout. I feel yeah. like recently, or it's a thing that's always existed, but I feel like people are talking about it more. Yeah. And I feel like because the freelance jam is becoming more of a popular thing because mm -hmm. of social media, more people are doing it. And so that's probably why more people are talking about it. Yeah. Do you feel 
burnout ever? Do you get to that point? Yeah, definitely. I've felt it before. I think it's just like an aspect of freelance life that just happens because unavoidable kind yeah, of yeah because well especially because like I feel like humans are just always they're never happy with <laughs> where they are in their God, like careers so and true. lives you know it's so like, messed up <laughs> you never you never know like what what's success like you can't really define what that is yeah like people might say like oh it's when you've got like a cookbook or something but then once you've got that and you're like well I don't feel successful right what's I, next I feel you like know? the same me yeah yeah and so I think we're always striving towards being better and better uh, so inevitably you're going to get burnt out at some point because you're going to keep working and working it's kind of positive I guess because it just means like at least we know we're working hard and at least if you reach burnout then you're going to give yourself a break because you you don't have any more inspiration left and you don't have any energy right you need to give yourself a break by (laughs) by very default to continue yeah exactly so it kind of forces you like to be like okay I need to go on holiday. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Feeling creatively stuck is different than burnout because burnout is just like, I have stopped caring about everything. Yeah. And being creatively stuck, it's different because you Mm -hmm. have the motivation, right? You have the drive, but it's just like drawing blanks a little Mm -hmm. bit. What do you do when you feel stuck? I think, well, for me, for food, lots of the time, I'll go and like eat in restaurants. That's a really good way to get inspiration because like, especially after doing a cookbook and after you've done like 150 recipes, you just think, I can't, like, there are no, <laughs> there are no other recipes to yeah. be made. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. Right. <laughs> so yeah, going out and eating in restaurants is really good. Yeah. So seeking out inspiration yeah. is how you get out of that stuck place yeah. and just taking a break really yeah. like you can't you can't be on all the time you have to have you know some downtime how do you izzy keep it quirky well it's kind of like how we were talking about this earlier with um just like the way that you might create something so you might bring someone else in to like give you some inspiration or give you a different view on what you're making or like i was showing you the gif with stills mixed so in cool. so it's just like finding other ways to creatively express myself i guess as how i keep it quirky izzy thanks so much for coming on the pod thanks for having me Thanks so much for listening. If you dig the podcast, please tell your friends about it or shout about it on social media. And if you really like it and you want to be my new favorite person of the day, please leave a review in the Apple Podcast Store. It really helps other people find the podcast so they can enjoy it too. Feel free to hit me up with comments or suggestions of who I should have on the pod at QKD on Instagram and Twitter and at Keep It Quirky Podcast on Instagram. Thanks as always to my brother Brian Quinn for the awesome theme song and also you all back here next week. In the meantime, keep it quirky.